Well, everybody, how you doing? It's great to have you with us, whether you're in Lake Cities, whether you're in Argyle, Denton, whether you're joining us online, we're really, really glad you're here. My name is Toby. I'm one of the pastors here at Cross Timbers, and I'm excited to get to share with you this weekend. You do know that Christmas is coming. Does everyone realize it's like bearing down on us? Everybody get that? How many days away do we, are we from Christmas? Few, fewer than you think. One of the things that we gear up for here as a church family at Cross Timbers is Christmas Eve, our candlelight Christmas Eve services. We're always excited about that. Someone was asking me the other day, they said, well, what time are our services? And I, I said, well, it depends on which campus that you're going to be at on Christmas Eve. And I, I honestly, I, there are so many services in so many places, I just go where they tell me to go, and then when it's over, I go home. And it's really true. It's just like, man, I can't remember them all. But one of the great things is I can pick up one of these cards at any of our campuses and find out, like in Denton, our services, our candlelight, Christmas Eve services on that December 24th are going to be at 12, 2, 4, and 6. If you're in Lake Cities, they're going to be at 4 and 6. If you're in Argyle, they're going to be at 12, 2, 4, and 6. So I want to encourage you, pick up some of these cards, not just as a reminder for you, but as an invitation to somebody else to be a part of what we do here on Christmas Eve. Now, we get this question a lot when Christmas Eve falls close to the weekend, and it's like, well, are you going to have the same services all weekend? The answer is no. That last weekend before Christmas Eve on Thursday night and on Sunday, we have a whole different service, a whole different set of songs. I'll be teaching a whole different message. We've got something very special planned for that weekend. And then the next day, that Monday on Christmas Eve, we're going to do our traditional time together with traditional hymns uh, with some of our Christmas favorites, and I promise you, unless they don't want to work here anymore, we will end with a candle and send your light. We're going to do that because it's 19 years running. So can you even now begin to pray about who you might invite to bring with you, family, friends, neighbors? I dare you to ask the person that you think is least likely to ever come into a church. That is the very person that God is going to want to touch on that weekend. So... We're excited about it. I'm excited about wrapping up over the next couple of weeks. Next weekend, we're going to do a question and answer session. I'm going to answer questions you've asked. But this is our final weekend of teaching out of this journey that we've been on called 40. Uh, As we have been following the Israelites out of Egyptian captivity as they've moved into the promised land. And we've discovered a couple of things. Number one, we've discovered that this isn't a story about the Israelites. It's really a story about us, right? And even beyond it being a story about our lives and how we might respond, it's a story about God and how God wants to work in the lives of his people. You can see that all through the story, but you can't see it any more clearly than we're going to see it today in Joshua chapter 6. If you have a Bible, we're going to go to Joshua chapter 6. And I'm just going to share three things with you, two of them real quick, and one of them, we're all going to do something together. Does that sound like a deal to everybody? Just wherever you're sitting, say, yeah, because that's what we're going to do. Great. Awesome. Um, Before I read, I want you to look at me. Listen to me. You have to fight for your promised land. Ain't nobody slide into the promised land accidentally. Ain't nobody look up when they go, wow, I am free. How did that happen? Freedom, which is what the promised land is all about, 
you fight with for with every breath you have. The series has been about the promised land. The promised land is really about walking in freedom. The goal isn't freedom. The goal is Jesus. But where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. How do I know if believing saves me and following sets me free? How do I know I'm growing as a follower? You're becoming more free. You hearing me? And you got to fight for the freedom Jesus promised you. Freedom is not the absence of something. It's the presence of someone. Freedom is being able to live with hope. Confident expectation, hope, no matter what your circumstance. You don't get free from something. You get free in somebody. Are you hearing me? Freedom is the supernatural ability to not survive but thrive in the middle of chaos and hell in your life. That's what freedom is. Freedom is not you not being sick, not you not having some mental challenge. It's not your relationships all being fixed. It is the ability to say, it is well with my soul. No matter what. That's what freedom is. That's what the promised land is. And you have to fight for it. And I can think of no greater place in the Old Testament under an old covenant to see the picture of what God is trying to do than in this story that we all have known. 27 verses, and we've sung about it since we were little kids in Sunday school, about the city of Jericho. So I want to show you three things from this story and how it relates to what God is trying to do, how God's heart is to bring you freedom no matter what you face. I want you to see, first the Bible says, now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Now, if you were with us last weekend, you know that as the Israelites were preparing for this, <laughs> this battle to walk into the promised land, God did this crazy thing where he said, hey, we're going to circumcise all the men again. Remember, we talked about that for a while. These men have been healing up physically from circumcision and God supernaturally puts the fear of the Lord into all of these countries. Why? So that nobody will come attack them while they're hurting. You, you, you get this is what God does. You, you get that you're in a season of vulnerability. Many times, God will create an atmosphere around you that gives you divine protection that you don't even realize in that moment of your life. This is what he's, there's divine protection happening. But finally, the day comes... They, the men are healed. The angel comes and meets, or Jesus comes and meets with, uh, with Joshua in the form of an angel. Says, hey, I'm not, I'm for everybody, but I'm with you. And they go to fight the battle. And God says, you're going to go fight the city of Jericho. Notice what it says. It's interesting. It was tightly shut up. You know what some versions call this? That... 
Jericho was a stronghold. Now, I could give you all the facts that would impress you that I knew these mindless facts about the city of Jericho, about two walls, one wall 12 foot thick, one 20 foot thick, 12 feet apart, three stories high, the first wall three and a half stories, the second wall an impenetrable fortress, if you will. But you see, it's not about a city. The city is a symbol. The city is a symbol of what stands in between you and your promised land. The city is symbolic of your enemy's opposition to you finding the freedom Jesus promised. In other words, I know this is hard for some of you to hear, but those of you who know me well, you, you know I know where I'm coming from. Your problem is not your problem. Your problem is how you see your problem. Right? Like, your problem is not that God hasn't healed you physically. Your problem is that you need God to heal you physically before you can be set free. The problem is that we put conditions on a relationship with a God that loves us unconditionally. That's the problem. The city is a symbol of a way that we think. It's it's not what we think, it's how we're thinking. It's how we're perceiving the world. It's not as simple as, well, it's a habit or a health issue or relationship challenge or an addiction or fill in the blank. It's not about missing the mark, which is what the word for sin is in the Bible. It's about why we miss the mark. It's about a way that we're thinking that stands in opposition to how God thinks. So every time that, anybody in here blow it this week? Anybody in here? Any campus? Anybody? Man, you guys in the back need to teach a class on how to be holy or something. Anybody blow it anywhere? And the thought that comes in that moment of your unworthiness, if you, if you feed that long enough, that's a stronghold. It'll take over. Why? Because your actions causing you to be unworthy stands in opposition to the truth of the gospel that in Jesus you are declared righteous and holy. But you live in it long enough. You think this way long enough. You don't take every thought captive, which does not mean you have to listen to KLTY and watch Daystar. That is not what that means. But you get really serious about understanding why am I thinking the way I'm thinking? What pain is causing me to begin to believe things that aren't true about myself and about God? Where am I agreeing with my enemy and instead of the one? And you, you, as you begin to process and understand, not I don't want to do that, but God help me see the triggers that are causing me to operate in this way. That's how you demolish strongholds. You demolish strongholds by the way that you think. And, and, and everybody look at me. You go, well, that's impossible. 
What do you think the Israelites thought when they, when they looked at Jericho? You do understand that they have no military, very little military training, if any. In fact, it's hard to find in the biblical record this last generation after the other one had died off because of the faithlessness of the spies. Many, any major skirmishes or battles that they had been in, they had no weaponry. They weren't skilled militarily. And God says, hey, you see that most fortified city? You're going to go take that. And it seemed impossible. And your stronghold may seem impossible. And I might say to you in, that impossible is the point. Because when God knocks it down, there's no doubt it was him and not you. And you really begin to believe that Christ in you is the hope of glory. And those strongholds, those walls, they, they tend to come back, don't they? But you get skilled, highly skilled, in how to stand against the things that oppose what God wants to do in your life, which is to get you to your promised land, which is a place of confident expectation, hope, the ability to even thrive, not survive, but thrive in the midst of chaos and when it's not going the way you want it to go. This is symbolic, the city of the Jerichos in your life, in my life. And it's, I think it's instructive to understand that the only one that knows the plan is Joshua. God tells the leader, we're going to do this in a way that nobody expects it to be done. And because my people aren't mentally, emotionally, and physically prepared for the impossibility they're about to face, I'm just going to ask them for one thing. I'm asking for simple faith to follow me as they follow you. Kind of a side note. Like sometimes the energy you're wasting trying to figure out what God is trying to do is energy that you need just to trust God no matter what he calls you to do. You know, like, I don't want a God I can figure out. It's not big enough for me. It's not mystical and magical enough for me. I need a God who's bigger, deeper, richer, and does things in ways that I would never even begin to ask or imagine. And this is a story that says when strongholds come, the goal is not to figure it out. The goal is to trust him. Just to trust him. And then... Not only is the story about a symbol, but it's about like the strategy for destroying strongholds. Now, I've taught this, I don't know, Mike Dow, my wife's here with me today 20 times, maybe. You've heard me teach on Jericho, and some of them you even thought were good. Um, <laughs> we, we've talked about how you sometimes you got to circle. You know, the promise that 
I think the last time I taught it was about, man, that really victory comes just putting one foot in front of the other. Right? It's like we're just going to take another step, and sometimes the greatest courage of the human heart is just take another step when you don't think there's a step in you. That'll preach, by the way. I'll dust that one off and give it to you again one day. But I want, I want to read this to you, and I want to show you one of the most simple, and yet in my experience, not in the church, not in America, but in this church with the people I love, most often missed strategy for overcoming a stronghold, for getting past whatever's keeping you from your promised land, your hope. It says, march around the city once with all the armed men. Everybody say all. all. Do this for six days. Have how many priests? Seven. seven priests. Carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. The word I really, I don't want to confuse anything. I just want to look at the word all. God's strategy is that we win and we lose together. I mean, we can talk about circling God's promises, about the power of perseverance. I'm telling you, if you've ever trusted me before, if you've ever trusted anything I've said from the stage, look at me. You will never get free by yourself. You won't. There is a reason the enemy is described as a roaring lion. The greatest work of a lion is to isolate its prey. We win together and we lose together. You will not ever taste the freedom that God put in your DNA in isolation. Freedom will always be found. Victory against this stronghold will always be found in relationship with other people. You were created for real relationship with people. And I have watched over and over and over again because you've been hurt, because it's scary. I've watched people shrink back from real spiritual, what we call level 10 relationships that matter. And it's the one thing that holds you back from experiencing your promised land. You're fighting a battle you were not designed to fight alone. And by the way, just this is free too since I'm kind of on a roll today. Man, look at me. Quit telling me your relationship that matters. Your level 10 is your wife. That's a baby cop out. That's a cop out, dude. Let me tell you something, there ain't nobody who sees his wife as more of a friend than I do. But there are things that I need to be held accountable by another man that my wife can't hold me accountable for. I got to have men in my life that will speak the truth to me. I've got to have other men in my life that care more about what God wants to do in me than my feelings. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. i got to have those kind of people in my life. So I want to take just a couple of minutes this weekend to do something I've never done. I want to ask everybody who hasn't already to get out your phone. Those of you guys who've been on Facebook Marketplace like, like you're looking at the Bible, pull, turn it off. But I want you to get out your phone. I want you, just to, I want you to take your phone 
And I want you, no, I'm serious. Pull your phone out, everybody. Nobody's going to get a spanking or nothing. Jesus loves you. It's okay. I want you to go to your recent calls in your phone. All you guys that have something other than a real phone like this, if you got Android, I don't know where it is. If If you're Apple, do it right here. Go to recent calls. And I want you to scroll down. Just scroll down and look at the last five or six days of the phone calls that you made. Okay, some of you, if you're younger, you don't like to talk on the phone. You just text people, and it's like you, you think that's really connecting with somebody. Go, go to your text. I don't care. Text or recent call. I want you to scroll up, and I want you to get a picture in your head of the people that you have connected with either by phone or text over the last, the last five or six days. Are you, are you getting a picture of those people? Are you looking at that and seeing who those people are? See, everybody has, those are your relationships. Everybody, nobody's going, wow, I don't have anybody on my phone. I didn't talk to anybody in six days. Unless you've cleared it. Everybody's got people in that. But I want you, as you look at those people, I want to ask you about these people. I'll ask you some questions about those people that you're looking up, except for a couple of y'all that are doing this and won't play along. It's okay. (laughs) Jesus loves you. It's okay. I I want you to ask you, I, I, I want you to take out, your kids, if you're married and have kids, or your mate, if you're married, take those people out of that list that you have in your head that you just looked at. And I, I, want, I want to tell me about those other people uh, that you interact with. And I want to ask you this question. Do most of those names that you're looking at right now, do those represent surface relationships? In other words, have you talked about the cowboys, the weather, the next project that works, that you're working on with somebody? I mean, what have you talked to these people about that are in your list? Really, what have you talked to them about? Only you can answer this. Is there somebody on that list that you're flipping through right now? These names, you go, well, you know what? Yeah, I I talked to her. I talked to him last Tuesday because... There's an area of my life I've been struggling in. I need to tell somebody about it. I asked somebody to hold me accountable to ask me about this, and that phone call is a call, an incoming call. They called me to ask me about what I asked them to hold me accountable. Or is it all just my kids, my, the ball game, plans? What is it? The list starts shrinking, doesn't it? The three questions we like to ask here is we define, well, what do you mean when you talk about a level 10 relationship that matters, a relationship that really matters? Number one, it's somebody that you know cares about your well-being. Number two, somebody who wants God's best for you. Not your best, but God's best. Because sometimes what you want and what God wants is two different things, right? As somebody who's like, I have, I can tell you of two very strong RTMs. That if I said to one of them, you know what, man, just Micah, she's, it's 33 years. I'm done with this thing, man. I'm, this other girl, she's paying attention to me. And Micah, she doesn't, she doesn't care. He would look at me and go, you're an idiot. That's the stupidest thing I ever heard. If you don't go talk to her right now, I'm going to go talk to her. Why? Because he wants God's best for me. He cares more about God's best than my feelings. I got somebody like that. Do you? 
They want God's best for you. So number one, you like being around. And number two, they want God's best for you. And number three, it's somebody you like being around. It's not like you look at the phone and go, oh, God, him again. I can't, oh, she's calling me. She's called seven times. I got to take it this time, honey. I'm so, you know what I'm talking about? Everybody got one of those? Though you not raise your hand, you're that person for that person. But you know what I'm saying? Like you, you like being, I, for me, I call it the ball game. I call it the Rangers back when they were good. I call it the ball game test. Like I could sit at a ball game and have a conversation and it would give me life. It wouldn't suck the life out of me. Right? So if you have somebody that you like being around, if you have somebody that wants God's best for you and has shown that they would care for you, they would come and do something for you. That's the person that in the middle of the night when you had a flat tire, you wouldn't hesitate to call that person. And again, take your wife and your kids off the list if you're my age. Do, do you have that person? And if, look at me. If you don't, Jesus loves you. You're a good person. You're going to heaven. But you are going to experience less of the promised land that God has for you. So I'm going to ask everybody, all of our campuses, we're going to do something together. Okay? We're going to do something together. I want everybody to keep your phones out. And I want you to open up your text. I want you to, I want you, we're, we're going to do something together. I want you to text. Just get somebody young besides you if you don't know how to do this. Okay? Text 77453. Put that in your text as the number you're calling. And I want you to text RTMS. Well, why is it RTMS? Because you had to have four letters. So it's relationships that matter. S. <laughs> I tried to come up with something cool. I couldn't come up with it. Just, I want you to text 77453. That's the number. And then the subject line or down when you type in the, in the part of the, the text, body of the text, just put RTMS, okay? And then hit send. Everybody hit send right now. You send, I'm doing it with you, okay? I'm putting R. T-E-M-S. And I'm old, so I have to talk when I text. Okay? Now, did, did you get a text back yet? And it's got a little link on it? I want everybody to click on the link. Click on it right now. No, seriously, click on it. I don't know what that music is, but click on it while that music's playing. Okay, now, when you click on it, you got a, you got a web page that comes up, right? Everybody got it? Are y'all getting it? Okay, so everything I just talked to you about, you can go watch the video later, you can read it later. It's everything I just said. I want you to go to the very bottom, scroll all the way down to the bottom. And you see at the bottom where it says, you can either check yes or no that you have a relationship that matters. Just be honest. Again, again you can't get where you need to go unless you'll admit where you are, right? So just, if you have one, say yes. If you don't, just put no. Don't lie. Don't make something up. Okay, then put your name and put your email and, and put in there what campus that you go to normally. And then just hit submit. I promise you we're not going to sell you anything. We're not going to add you to an email list. Here's what we're going to do. If you said that, yes, you have one of those, then we're going to email you some resources that can help you continue to develop those. And if you don't have those, we have a connection team here that's going to contact you and, and give you the opportunity to begin to try to build those kind of relationships. They're not going to force you to do anything. Nobody's going to get you in a room and draw circles on a napkin. We're not doing anything weird. But 
I, I want you to fill this out right now. We're going to take about one more minute. I'm going to pray for a spirit of cooperation while y'all finish. Now, those of you who are watching us in Lake Cities, you, you know this is a Thursday night service. My, the college kids are to my right, and they're all twiddling their thumbs like they were finished 20 minutes ago. And all the senior citizens of this hour are like, okay, honey, what do you say? <laughs> okay, everybody, I'm going to tell you something. This really scares our lead team. I said they didn't know I was going to say. I'm going to tell you something. In 2019, 2019, I'm going to be sharing in a couple of weeks the word for the year and what we're going to study next year. But I'm telling you, my goal in 2019 is that you have a relationship that matters. I am doing you a disservice if you, as your pastor if I don't create opportunities for you to do that. And you can go, well, I don't need that in the church. I got that at work. Well, God bless you if you have that at work. I just think this is the greatest fishing pond out there of people who are all trying to get to the same place. We're going to help you. I'm telling you, 2019, I am like a, I'm a bulldog, man. That you are going to get sick of hearing me talk about building these kind of relationships. Why? Because you can't experience the promise land in isolation. You, you, you don't find that freedom by yourself. So you've got a symbol, and you've got a strategy, and then guess what you got next? I'm feeling... Very Baptist this weekend. I'm using all the same letters. You got a symbol, you got a strategy, and then look at this. You got a surprise. The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab. Can you say it out loud in church? The prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies that we sent. You know what the surprise is? You know who was the conduit by which God's people were delivered? It was a prostitute named Rahab. Did y'all know she was a liar, liar, pants on fire? She lied. I've heard through the years, cold pastors trying to justify. Well, no, she lied. A lying prostitute is the way that God's people got saved. And she comes and lives among the Israelites, which was taboo. You don't do that. They let her live with them. She marries an Israelite and becomes the great-great-grandmother of a man named David. And go read Matthew's gospel. In the lineage of the baby that was coming named Jesus was the name of a prostitute named Merhab. We prayed, as I prayed and thought through a candlelight Christmas Eve service, I called our creative people and I said, you know, and I'm going to fire my gun early, but I tell you, I, I just can't get this song out of my head. 
Isn't this a strange way to save the world? Because God chooses the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. And the surprise of the story is that God would deliver through a prostitute named Rahab because the surprise of the Bible is that God would come in the form of a baby to a teenage Jewish peasant girl who would live an ordinary life, die an extraordinary death, and be resurrected so that you and I could find our promised land too. The foreshadowing of the season that we celebrate is the story of a prostitute named Rahab. Huh. Maybe you're not as disqualified as you think you are. Maybe you're not too far gone. To receive God's grace. Maybe it's not too late for you to live with hope no matter what your circumstance. Maybe Jesus wasn't kidding when he said the kingdom of God is within your grasp. But you have to fight for your promised land because the goal ain't freedom. The goal is Jesus. And when you get Jesus, you get free. Let's pray together. Lord, I'm grateful that through the person and the spirit of Jesus Christ that walls are going to fall down Strongholds are getting demolished in this place. That your strategy is so simple. And I pray, Father, for a step toward relationships that matter. I pray, Father, that you would help me and those of us who lead here to become incredibly wise and efficient in how to build atmospheres and possibilities for these relationships begin to grow and flourish. I speak in Jesus' name against the enemy's attempts to discourage that through the pain that so many of us experienced relationally in our past. But most of all, I am grateful that you chose such a strange way to save the world because I'm ordinary. And I miss it. And I should know better. And yet you love me anyway. I'm grateful that the, the dark pain of my past doesn't shine as brightly as the hope of my future because of the baby born in Bethlehem. And I, by faith, I claim the promise <laughs> Of hope no matter what my circumstances. 
claim the promise of the potential to sur- not survive, but to thrive. No matter what comes my way. Only you, more than gold or silver, only you can bring that to my life. And so we thank you for it, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.